Street one busy afternoon. Yachty wasn't amused when thinking about it. Even though the only gleam of comfort in a dark night was the failure of Cano's city experts to do better than he had done, which was just nothing in clear results. The first baby had been a routine job. The second baby, an upheaval. The third child had brought Cano's boys, photographers and fingerprinters and dust collectors. And the last baby had loosened all hell in Mitford, so that even his wife had looked at him with eyes of disillusionment. Napoleon Bonaparte, coming to try his luck weeks after baby number four had vanished like a penny in the river. No wonder the cat laughed. Sergeant Yachty loved cats and was stroking the enormous black specimen on his desk when the telephone in the outer office blasted the piece. Yachty smiled at the cat, almost unconscious of the voice acknowledging the telephone call. He heard the receiver being replaced, then the quick heavy footfalls of the uniformed constable, who entered his office and stood stiffly beyond the desk. Essen rang through, Sergeant, reported the constable, not yet old enough to keep his face masked or his voice controlled. His brother-in-law rang to say he's worried about a Mrs Rockcliffe who lives next door. Essen went round. The woman hadn't been seen for a couple of days in the milk and mail not taken in. He tried the front door and found it unlocked and went in. The woman's lying dead in a bedroom. Essen says he thinks it's homicide. No eruption rocked the police station at Midford. No sirens screamed through Main Street. The police car, driven by a constable, negotiated the cross street with normal care, and Yachty smoked his pipe and returned the greeting of a man who waved to him. Elgin Street consisted of detached villas, guarded by small front gardens. At the gate of number five, two men waited. One obviously a policeman in mufti, the other elderly and obviously nervous. First Constable Essen came forward. Woman appears to have been murdered, he said. Bodies in the front bedroom. This is my brother-in-law who last saw the woman alive on Monday. Rang me about it because there mightn't have been anything to it. Yachty nodded. I live next door, Sergeant, admitted the elderly man. The name's Thring. We haven't seen Mrs Rockcliffe since Monday and there's two lots of milk and letters at the gate. I thought you did the right thing, Mr Thring. Stay there with the constable. We'll go in, Essen. Essen opened the door by the handle of the ordinary catch, and Yachty noted the Yale-type lock was snibbed. The hall was small and had the imprint of the house-proud slave. A hat and umbrella stand stood against one wall. A small table, flanked by a chair, fronted another. On the table was a bowl of dying roses. Above it hung an oval mirror reflecting the open front door. Dark green linoleum covered the floor of the hall and passage leading to the rear. Room to the right, Sergeant, Essen said tightly. The door was shut, but I managed to open it without mucking up possible prints. She's lying on the floor at the foot of the bed, and the baby's cot is empty. Yachty closed the door, and the light from the open fanlight emphasised the lines which suddenly appeared about his wide mouth. Abruptly, he strode to the bedroom, paused just within the doorframe. The scene was registered as a succession of pictures, beginning with the meticulously made bed then the blind protected windows, the body of the woman on the floor, and finally the empty cot beyond the foot of the bed. Thring says he and his wife are sure that Mrs Rockcliffe left the child alone in the house, Essen said. None of the neighbours have seen it since last Monday. Looks like the woman returned to find the baby thief on the job and was done in because she recognised him. It was a pleasant room, the drawn linen blinds creating a pseudo-coolness, and the sunlight penetrating at one side to fashion a finger of gold 
to caress a dead hand upon a blue rug. There was light enough to see the lacy draperies of the baby's cot, the feeding bottle on the small table, the miniatures on the walls. Only now was he conscious of the flies blundering about, of the staleness of the air, of the silence about him, and of the noises without. On tiptoe he left the doorway to step over the body and reach the cot. He could see the valley on the tiny pillow where the baby's head had rested, and his mind was so crowded with the consequences of that empty cot that the murder of the mother was then of small moment. He went back the road he had come, over the body, again paused in the doorway, to look at the cot before permitting his eyes to concentrate on the dead woman, lying partially on her back, one arm above the head, the other outflung. "'You've been through the house, of course,' he said to Essen. "'Yes, back door locked. All the windows fastened, nothing out of place. Uh, "'We'll begin at the beginning. Your brother-in-law.'